You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Before you see it, go ahead and hug someone and tell them you love them, and we'll go ahead and get into God's Word for us this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, we have a children's ministry here, so we want to go ahead and before we get into the Word this morning, we want to dismiss all of our children. Have the children been dismissed yet? Are they down there? They're down, they're, they're down there already. Okay, they're already ahead of things. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen, somebody? We're going to go ahead and get to it. We're going to go ahead and ready, aim, fire. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Isaiah. Uh, let's go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Now before, while you're turning there, I want to tell you again, we want to welcome you to our 6.30 service tonight. And like I said before, we have more instruments and uh, we have a rocking time because... Uh, you know, we have limited time this morning, so I'm going to preach to you quickly. Someone, like I said, they, they asked if I could preach quick. Let me tell you a quick story. I was in, uh, in Europe last week preaching. They made me preach 15 times in 12 days. Isn't that something, huh? Someone say, Lord Jesus, give the preacher some rest. 15 times. By the time I got to the, by the, time I got to the airport, I was just dragging like this. Felt like I needed a wheelchair. You know how they put the wheelchair you go in? But, um... The pastor, we were headed to one of the last services, and in Italy, how many are familiar with Italian culture? Anybody here familiar with that culture? They make you eat, and eat, and eat, and eat, and eat some more, and when you've eaten some more, they make you eat again. And so, uh, <laughs> one time we were, uh, after the service, the pastor would say, this is what we're going to have. Before every service, he'd come in there. I think he wanted to pray with me. He would say, we're going to have this after lunch, so hurry up and preach fast so we can get to lunch. And I'm like, okay, okay. And so in Italy, you have first meal, second meal, and third meal. So when you sit down at the table, you better be prepared to sit there for three hours. So they make you eat. They bring out the first course. And then if you've never been there before, you think the first course is all you're going to get. But if you eat too much in the first course, then you got to endure second course, you got to endure third course, and then after third course, there's fruit, and then after fruit, they bring ice cream, and then after they bring ice cream, they bring more fruit, then after they do that, then they want to eat leftovers, and then after they do that, they do this and this and this, and so I'm walking down the stairs as full as I can possibly get, and I'm about to get in the car, and one of the ushers pulls a banana out of his pocket. I said, what is this for? He says, you could eat it in the car ride on the way home. I thought, get me out of Italy fast, God. Get me out of here. And then the pastor, on the way to the night service, he stops in the middle of Messina, the city I was in. People everywhere. I said to the translator, what are we doing? She said, I don't know. So we get there, and he takes me up to one of the food stands. And I have to preach in a half hour. And he says, uh, go ahead and order what you want. I, I don't know what I want. He goes, get a lemonade. So he gives me this lemonade, and he pours salt in it. And he says, drink, drink. I said, what is this? It says digestive. It means that you drink it so you can eat more after the service. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm not used to drinking digestives. And they are. So a long story short, I had to end my service preaching a half hour early, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I was up there like, go ahead and just close your eyes and lift your hands to Jesus. And they did. And when they did, boom, I was gone. <laughs> I did the magic disappearing act. I was out. <laughs> so uh, if you want to get me preaching tonight quicker, just give me some lemonade and we'll be all set. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. This is what it says. This is the NLT, and if you have a translation, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. We're going to go for it this morning. Amen? We're going for it. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Someone say, darkness? Come on, say it like this is a Sunday morning service. Say, darkness. darkness. Say, darkness. Darkness. Will not last forever. It says here in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16. The people who sat in darkness. Y'all know I had to preach on light and darkness this morning. Amen. Light of today, I should preach on darkness. It says the people who sat in darkness have seen great light. And it says in those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light had shined. Someone say a light had shined. Now let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Sounds to me that light is powerful. When you are connected to the light, there is power in your life. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that when you have the light, you have power. That's a simple statement. You say, well, I have no power in my life. I tell this story often. There was a guy at the bank, and I was sitting with him, and he was of a different religion, but he believed in God. And he said to me, why are you a Christian? I said, I'm a Christian because I have power in my life. I'm a Christian because I have authority in my life. He says, well, what do you mean? I said, when there's temptation in my life, I can overcome it. When there's despair in my life, I can overcome it. When there's sadness in my life, I can overcome it. When there's death that happens naturally in my life, it can't keep me down. I said, that's because my God is powerful and I'm connected to my God. Now let me ask you a question. Can you overcome temptation in your life? He said, well, I mean, what do you mean? I says, you know what I mean. <laughs> Can you overcome it? He says, I don't know. I said, well, can you overcome these things? He says, well, I haven't been able to. I said, then one of two things. Either your God's not powerful or your God's not with you. Which one is it? That made him stop to think for a second. It says here in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 that he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. That means that wherever you stand today, if you've been born again by Jesus, you're not in some powerless kingdom that is unable to deliver you. So if you're here this morning and you have a need in your life, you're here this morning and you have a difficulty in your life, I've come to tell you that you have a kingdom that is more than able to deliver you from that thing. Go ahead and give God a praise this morning. Amen? Oh, come on. This is church. So what I want to talk to you about this morning if you're taking notes and you're titling this sermon is pushing back the darkness in your life. Pushing back the darkness. If there's any type of darkness in your life, as a believer, as someone that's light, you should push back the darkness. The other night, I was laying in bed 
and it was one o'clock in the morning. I went to bed early again at 10.30. And <laughs> my brother, who I live with, came into the room, and I must have been having a bad dream. And when he opened up the door, the light came in, and I jumped up out of bed, scared as can be, took a pillow, and threw it at the door. Smacked the door, and I heard him say, what, what are you doing that? What, 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 what do I do, man? What do I do? And I said, oh, man, I must have just been having a bad dream. Well, when he opened up the door, the light scared me. Amen, somebody. And so when you have darkness in your life and the light pops in, it's going to scare everything in your life that's in darkness. Are you here, somebody? And so your responsibility as a believer, if there's difficult situation in your life, something that is trying to overtake you and keeping your life in a position where you don't want to be, shine some light in that thing. Someone say amen. So you say, what does the darkness represent in Scripture? Someone say, no darkness in my life. Here in this church, here in this ministry, my responsibility as your pastor, as the pastor, is that anybody that comes here, I'm going to pastor you so you know that there's no darkness allowed into your life. I don't want sickness in your life. I don't want depression in your life. I don't want despair, despondency, anything that the enemy will use to bring you to a place of fear. No have place in your life. Amen, somebody? So darkness in Scripture, go ahead, clap. This is a Pentecostal church. It says here, if you have your Bible, go with me to Isaiah chapter 20. You're the light of the world. Stand up to the darkness. Amen. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Verse 22. I want to talk to you about what darkness is. No darkness in my life. Amen. I want people to see me walking and say, man, he's full of light. When I walk into a restaurant, when I walk and get my gas pumped, I want people to say there's something different about him. He radiates the life of God. Because a Christian that has the life of God inside of them is always joyful. Always has the peace of God in their life. And you know when somebody's been serving the devil. They're having fun for the moment. But guess what? The devil always makes them pay for that fun that they want. Amen, somebody? The devil always going to come knocking and say, Hey, I was... Uh, Telling this to the Italians, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why people that live in sin live in darkness, because eventually sin is going to make people pay. It's like a creditor, someone that loans them money. You go and you say, uh, sin, uh, I want to fornicate tonight. Sin says, well, come on in, I'll let you do that. Sin comes in, you say, sin, I want to uh, steal today. And sin goes, okay, we'll let you steal. Sin says, you say, well, sin, I, I want to do this. And sin says, okay, just borrowing you that pleasure, borrowing you all that. But guess what? Eventually, sin's going to come looking to collect. And all of a sudden, you're going to be sitting at your door, sitting in your house one day, and all of a sudden, there's going to be a knock on your door. You say, well, who's that? And all of a sudden, it's going to be Mr. Depression. You can say, Mr. Depression, what are you doing here? Depression's going to say, well, you know, you borrowed sin. So I get to come to your door looking. Are you able to pay? No. Depression pushes you out of the way and comes on in. Then all of a sudden, while you don't know what to do, you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's a knock on your door. You say, who's that? And you find out, it's Mr. Fear. 
What are you doing here, Mr. Fear? Mr. Fear says, well, you know you sinned, so I'm going to come on in. And this is why people live in darkness in their life, is because sin is going to make them pay. But when you serve Jesus, someone say, serve Jesus. When you serve God, you know what's going to show up at your door? Mr. Joy, Mr. Peace, Mr. Love, Mr. Freedom. Amen, somebody. So it says here in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. That means that darkness, if you're taking notes this morning, is when you don't have an association to God. You have disassociated yourself from the word of God. That's what darkness is. It says they go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they're hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They'll look up to heaven and down to the earth, but wherever they look, there'll be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They'll be thrown out into the darkness. So, this morning, if you're taking notes, what is darkness? Write this down. Something that God is not associated with. If God's not involved in it, it is darkness in your life. An association is a cooperative link. It is an interaction. And for the simplicity of the sake of simplicity, it is a connection. When God is involved in something, you have a connection to God in that area of your life. And because you have a connection to God, there is light being pumped into that. And light represents life. So, if you have a business, until that business has been committed to God, that business sits in darkness. If you have a marriage, until that marriage has been committed to God, it's going to sit in darkness. That's when young people say to me, well, can I marry an unbeliever? No, you cannot. Why not? Because it's not going to be centered on Jesus Christ. And if that marriage is not centered on Jesus Christ, it's going to sit in the darkness because there's no connection to God. Amen, somebody. You say, well, if you have a ministry, believe it or not, that ministry needs to be connected to God. So say, why are you going to be fasting for 21 days? Because every morning at 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., I'm going to be in there making a connection to God. I'm going to be saying, God, hear my prayer. God, hear my prayer. You say, you believe God hears prayers? Well, you believe God hears you when you're cussing, amen? God hears you when you're praying. Amen, somebody. You say, oh, I think God may have heard that. Well, guess what? Don't just be confident that God hears the bad things. God hears the good things. Amen, somebody. Amen. Darkness is also the repercussions of not having a connection to God. When you have no connection to God, there's going to be repercussions in your life. Let me give you a few of them. You see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Is the church here this morning? All right. We're just going to start low and move slow and rise higher and catch fire, someone. And if no one else gets excited from this sermon, I'm going to get excited from this sermon. You might see me outside running around the parking lot. You'll say, what's wrong with Pastor Palmer? He just gets excited about his own sermon sometimes. <laughs> Woke up this morning like, yo, let's go, let's go. I was looking at my notes in the office this morning. And I said, I can't wait to hear me preach this. <laughs> what do I sound like? I can't wait to hear me preach this. 
Darkness is not anything that's under the rule and reign of God. I said that, number one. Number two, darkness is chaos. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says that when the earth was formless and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The word chaos means an unsettled affair or a disturbance. Do you know that people live their lives with disturbances? You can recognize these people when they're living their lives in disturbances. Something always comes along and troubles the water. Amen. Do you know people like that? Monday, they're in a good mood. Tuesday, they're in a bad mood. Wednesday, they're in a good mood. Thursday, something's come along and troubled the water. With these people, there are always headlines. Do you know people that always have headlines? I don't want headlines in my life, amen? I don't want there always to be something. And then a lot of these people take the Facebook, take the Twitter, take the social media, and you're thinking, what in the world? You know what I want? And if you're single here, do you know what you want in a spouse? You want someone that's just peaceful all the time. Not causing too much trouble. <laughs> we got one clap. <laughs> you want somebody that's peaceful all the time. On Monday, they get up, they enjoy their life. On Tuesday, they get up, they enjoy their life. And people that have chaos, the reason they have chaos is because they don't have God in their life. They can't handle things because they don't understand. They got a big God that can handle stuff for them. So someone say, no chaos in my life. You know what? When you don't have chaos, everything in your life is under control. Even when things look like they're going to go off the cliff, it's under control. It's under control. Like I was in getting ready to go to the airport. And my driver was late. And we had to drive an hour in traffic. And I'm sitting in this passenger seat, tripping out. Oh my gosh, are we going to get to the airport? Go, whoa, whoa, ah, you know, I don't want to miss my flight. I can't get stuck there for another day. And he's just driving. And he told my translator, tell him, it's under control. <laughs> I think it's easy for you to say. You, you'll get stuck in Europe for a, a whole another day. Darkness is distress and difficulty in troubled times. It says in Acts 27, 20. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and stars until all hope was gone. Acts 27 and verse 20. When you have difficulty in troubled times in your life, do you know what that does? It begins to suck the hope out of your life. People that have no hope in their life eventually get stressful and they get sick and they grow tired and they become depressed because when you have no hope in your life. You have a sick spirit. A sick spirit is a spirit that has nothing to look forward to. It always feels like you just don't want to see tomorrow because you've been trained by circumstances that tomorrow is going to look terrible. That is having bad hope. Darkness is gloom. It says in Matthew 27, 45, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. That's when everything became dark and unsettling. But I have to tell you, I have good news for you. Go with me to Psalm chapter 119 if you have your Bible. Actually, Psalm chapter 139. Are you here this morning, church? Someone say, no darkness in my life. Say, no gloom. Say, no fear. No depression. It says in Psalm 139, if you're here this morning and you have some type of darkness, some type of concern, it says here, Psalm 139 verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. 
Yeah, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shines as the day, and the light and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So if you're writing notes, take this down this morning. Darkness and light are the same to God. Because you have a God in your life that is able to see through the doom and the gloom and whatever darkness you have in your life right now. So if you come this morning and you say, well, Brother Palmer, I have depression in my life. You come here this morning and say, Brother Palmer, I have fear in my life. I have concern. I have to tell you this morning that you have a God that can look at the darkness in your life and command light to come forth out of it. You have a God in your life that's able to say, lights come forth out of that darkness. Are you here this morning? That's why when you're a believer, there should be no darkness in your life because you have a God that can look at it and command the light to come forth out of that. If you look into scripture, you'll discover that the darkest hour in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, is described as midnight. Midnight usually refers to the darkest point of the day. Nothing goes good at midnight. Amen, somebody. At midnight, this is when people lock the doors. Did any of you keep your front door open last night? What about during the day? Maybe you had your screen door open. Anyone have their screen door open during the day yesterday? But what'd you do when it became night, night out time? You locked the door, right? This isn't 1930 anymore, right? You gotta lock the doors. Midnight is a time where the shepherds have to watch their sheep so that the wolves don't come and steal it. Midnight is where wild beasts begin to go after their prey. How many of you have ever been sitting in your bed at night and you hear a cat fighting outside? You know what I'm talking about? It'll wake you up, scare you half to death. You just, oh, it's just a cat outside. I remember one time I was preaching in the St. Thomas Virgin Islands, and every single night, maybe 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the roosters were always fighting with each other. Every night I had to go to bed listening to chicken fights. This never happened during the day. This always happened at night. Because there's something about night where the enemy uses to try and terrorize people. And that's because the enemy moves in darkness. So when you have Jesus in your life, he is going to see it that there's no night because the enemy is not going to take from you. He's not going to steal from you. Are you here today, church? So if you look in scripture, you'll find out because you have a God that can see through the darkness, the midnights usually become the time where some of the greatest miracles in your life can take place. When you look at what's going on today in society, you will say, well, you know, just, they're just trying to pass legislation of all kinds and all sorts. I guess this society is just going down the tubes. And you say, well, you know, Brother Palmer, just everyone's becoming heathens. Everyone is full of themselves. Yeah, it may be midnight, but I have news for you. This might be the best hour because God excels at doing miracles at midnight. You say, well, I have my bank account. You know, my bank account, I look at it, I don't say, it's overdrawn. You just hate logging on to bankofamerica.com because you know what you might see when you do it. You don't even want, you, you, down, you delete that bank app off of your phone 
because you don't want to see the little alerts that come up. You know when your checking account gets overdrawn, you get a text message to your phone that lets you know that it's overdrawn. You have to stop the text messaging because, but I have news for you. You have a God that can turn that around in your life. Hello, somebody. Are you guys here this morning? Don't make me beg for amens in here, amen? Don't make me beg someone to run around the church. I'm just teasing. Number one, go with me to Exodus chapter 11. God's done miracles at midnight. Whatever hour you're in in your life, God's going to do a miracle for you. Someone say, God. Come on. Say, God. Commands. Light. To shine forth. At midnight. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 4. It says that when God gave his word, it says that he was going to move throughout Egypt at midnight. God spoke to the children of Israel. He said, you have been in bondage for a long time. Every day for 400 years, the children of Israel would wake up and they would serve Pharaoh. Every single day they were making bricks and living in huts. How would you like to be in an impoverished area of your life for 400 years? Same job. Same beat up car. Same beat up home. Same physical condition in your body for that long. How many days is 400 years? How many hours? How many going to bed at night wondering if your situation can change is 400 years? And then one day, God spoke to Moses and he said, Moses, I am going to go into my people and I'm going to start moving in their lives at midnight. So Moses said, you mean God to tell me you're going to go and you're going to set the people free from, Mo from Pharaoh? And God says, go tell the people. So if you're taking notes this morning, the number one principle for God to move in your life when your hour is the darkest is you have to begin to have an expectation in your life. See, people that live their lives in darkness long time never expect that God's going to do something to get them out. Hello, somebody. Because their hope is deferred. So when God is going to move you out of that darkness, what he's going to do is he's going to create in your heart an expectation. You can always tell when someone in the body of Christ is expecting. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the way they come to church and serve. You can see it when they call you on the phone. How are things going? I just know God's going to do it for me. I just believe God's going to do it. So what God told Moses is he said, Moses, go tell the children of Israel to get a lamb ready. And go tell the children of Israel to slaughter that lamb. And then take the blood of that lamb and begin to put it upon the doorpost. And then take the lamb according to the portion of the people that are in the house and cook the lamb. So you see what the children of Israel are doing? They have an expectation. They took the lamb, they cut it. What are they doing? They're expecting I'll tell you something, the next 21 days, every time I wake up and put my runners on, put my shoes on, and drive to the church and start praying, expectation. Because guess what? I'm not going to allow myself to be today what I can be tomorrow. I'm going to be something more tomorrow. I'm going to have an expectation in my life. If you want expectation, say amen, somebody.
You have an unsaved loved one, begin to expect. You have somebody that needs Jesus, begin to expect. You need a new job, begin to expect. Are you here with me this morning? You have a physical need in your body, begin to expect the doctor to call and say, it's not cancer. I was talking to somebody in um, uh, uh, Europe last week. And she said, when she was diagnosed with a sickness, that the doctor left the room and the Spirit of God put in her heart to begin to expect that the next time she got the report, it would come back as not sick. She said, I told God, God, when a doctor comes back, I expect the report will be different. And she began to give praises unto God and thank God that it was true. Amen, somebody? She began to thank God and say, God, I thank you so much. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful, Lord. I have an expectation in your word. I thank you, God, that it's not going to be as a doctor said. And I said, so what did you do? And she says, every time that they said that it was what it was supposed to be, I told my mom I was going to the beach. I told my mom I was going to go work out because I expected in a couple weeks when that report came back, I was going to be fine. And guess what? The report came back and the doctor said, we don't know what happens. Because God moves in your dark hour when you place an expectation. Do you know many believers, they just think they're not involved in any of this. That God's going to do what he wants when he wants to do it. But do you know what God wants? A people that expect him to move. He wants you, when he puts his ear into your home, to hear around your dinner table, you guys talking about the good report of deliverance. Are you at your house talking about the good report of deliverance? Are you on the phone with your friend talking about the good report of God's deliverance? Are you talking about how if you have a rebellious child that God is going to deliver that person? Amen. And I want to encourage you this morning. Begin to set yourself into expectation that God is going to do something different in your life in the next couple of weeks. Amen, somebody. Number two, if you're writing these notes, the next thing, you'll discover that there was a woman in the Bible named Ruth. Ruth was a nobody. Nobody knew Ruth. She was a Moabite. Served false gods. If there was somebody for God not to pay attention to, it was somebody that was serving Ashtaroth, which was the false god who was the enemy of the God of Israel. But Ruth had no hope for the God of Israel to look down on her, to notice who she was. She was somebody that was forgotten. Somebody that was, had no right to getting her prayers answered. How many of you have ever felt that way that I don't have any right to be in this position? You believe in God for a job. I got no right to be in that job. You believe in God for a position. I got no right. And the reason why is because you look back on your track record and you see you did this wrong and you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And I can tell you this. When a believer looks with their mind to the wrong things they've done, it could take away their confidence that God is ever going to do something special in their life. You ask somebody, you think God's going to do something special for me? God's not going to do something special for me. Why? Well, look what I did in the past. Look at all the bad things I did. And you think that God's not going to do anything for me. And if anybody had the right to feel that way, it was Ruth because she was a devil worshiper. But she made a decision in her life that she was going to follow the God of Israel. 
And one day, Ruth is sitting there, and she's in the fields, and she's gleaning the crops. She's picking up barley. She's doing what her hands found to do. And the word of God came to her through her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi said, Ruth, at midnight tonight, God's going to show you his favor. Go and lay at the feet of Boaz. What kind of word is this? Do you know what she had to do? She had to sneak into Boaz's room when he wasn't looking, open up the door, uncover her, his feet, and lay on him. What kind of crazy directive is this? Go lay on a guy's feet? She might have been one of those people that don't even like feet. <laughs> you know, there's some people that you take your shoes up. Put the shoes back on, please. We have a rule on this team. No sandals. Shoes always. <laughs> you want to take your shoes off? Take them off on the way home when you're driving. But you're going to keep those shoes on in here. It's already hot enough in this church as it is. Take your shoes off and everyone, everyone's going to fall out under the power. Amen. <laughs> so Ruth goes in there. But she had a word from God. And she was willing to obey it. And I don't know where you're at in your life this morning. But I want to encourage you. You might have failed in the past. And failed again in the past. And failed again in the past. And failed again in the past. You might have failed so much your nickname is failure. But guess what? Today is the day where you can start obeying the Word of God. And when you make a decision today to start obeying, guess what God does? He looks. Because obedience gets God's attention. You say, what gets God's attention is all the money I have. No. What gets God's attention is my personality. No. What gets God's attention is uh, all the victories I had in the past. No, those are his victories. What gets God's attention is when he finds somebody, especially today, that says, I'm going to be obedient. God says, start a church. No. Start a church. No. Okay, I'll start a church. God's attention. And guess what? I know that wherever I go, God's favor will be upon me. And my midnight will turn to day. Amen. So do you see what you're doing? When you have expectation and you have obedience, do you know what you're setting up? You're in a dark room. You start setting up the windows. I got the window of expectation. I got the window of obedience. Are you here with me? Start setting up links so that God's light can shine through. Why are you in the darkness? Because you have no links to God's light in your life. No windows in your room. I'm putting up a window of expectation. I'm putting up a window of obedience. And do you know what the third window I'm installing in my room is? The window of faith. Somebody say faith. Jesus was the one who always called for people's faith. Master, here the disciples are on a boat. And Jesus tells the disciples after a long day of teaching, go to the other side of the sea. Now as a minister, I know what this had to have felt like. When you have ministered all day long, I'm sure his disciples wanted to go home and watch football. I wanted to go to the old country buffet or IHOP or whatever. And Jesus says, no, we don't have time for that. We're going to go to the other side. And the disciples looked at Jesus in Mark chapter 4 and said, Jesus, it's dark. We can't go to the other side of the lake. 
it's dark right now. Let's just stay here. Let's just camp out. Let's get our rest. Then we'll go to the other side of the lake. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go now. Someone say now. Because the disciples say, okay, if that's what the master says. And so they began to set sail across the lake in the darkest hour of the night. And guess what happened? Here comes that old storm. Starts taking the boat, shaking it, knocking it back and forth and back and forth. And this represents in your life the times where you're going back and forth and back and forth. Double-mindedness. I don't know what, what the will of God is. Have you ever felt that before in your life? You don't know what the will of God is? Well, should I go to college or should I work? Should I get married to Susan or should I get married to Sally? Should I get married to Joe or should I get married to John? What should I do? Back and forth and back and forth. And here they are in a decision. What should we do? And they go to the bow of the boat and there's Jesus. Knocked out, sleeping. Jesus set his iPhone, put it aside for the alarm to wake him up when they get to the other side. And he was out. And the disciples came, Master, don't you care that we perish? Why was Jesus sleeping? Do you know why Jesus went to sleep? Because he wanted to see what his disciples' faith would be like. Are you here this morning, someone? Sometimes when you have decisions in your life and you're going back and forth, it sometimes feels as though God is asleep. Has anyone ever felt that way before? God, God, hello there. Are you going to answer me? God, God, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Anyone ever felt that? Am I the only one that felt that way? Or you guys ever feel that way? You guys are leaving me hanging this morning. I'm going to say, man, what do I need a pastor for? They need a pastor me. God, hello, are you there? What, what am I supposed to do? God, are you there? Are you there? And, 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 and Jesus looked at his disciples, and, they, and the disciples says, Master, don't you care about us? Here we are in one of the most crucial times of our lives, and, we're, and you're asleep. And God says, you little faith. Because you want to know what God wants you to understand? Is that in your dark hour, He is the God that does not sleep. And He does not slumber. You always have God's ear. He's not sleeping on you. God has heard every single one of your prayers. And you know what he wants your response to be? Well, he may be sleeping, but he's got to do something. Because a boat that has Jesus in it cannot sink. A house that has Jesus in it cannot fail. A marriage that has Jesus in it, nothing's going to happen to it. A family that's got Jesus in it. A relationship that has Jesus in it. So it doesn't matter what it seems like. If Jesus is in the boat with you, you can just relax. Put your arms up. Get the lemonade out. And just sit back and know that God is going to take care of it. Someone say amen to that. Y'all are going to get me preaching in here and make me lose my voice for tonight. Amen. And then, of course, so you have the window of expectation. You have the window of obedience. And now you have the window of faith. Now you got, you're setting God up for something. Have you set God up in your life? Or you just sit at home like this? What are you doing? I don't know. I'm just waiting for God to do something. What are you doing? I'm just waiting for God. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We're people that have God's spirit in us. We know how to react. 
Hello, somebody. We're going we're gonna to do things. When I see in my life there needs to be changed, I'm putting these windows up. I'm expecting. I'm going to obey. I'm going to have faith. And the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. Because prayer is the weapon that always works somebody. I'm almost finished. I'll be done in a minute. You have Peter and he's in prison. Acts chapter 12. I've preached this story before. Here's Peter in prison. Things aren't going well. You have him sitting next to somebody that he's heavily guarded. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that at midnight, in the middle of the night, while Peter's in prison asleep, an angel comes and hits him on the leg and says, Peter, get up. And Peter thinks that, what in the world is this? Then he discovers after he's come to that this is an angel. But where did the angel come from? How many of you could use some angelic assistance in your life this morning? How many say, boy, this sure is tough. Raising these kids sure is tough. Dealing with these people sure is tough. Anyone feel that way this morning? You know what you need in your life? Angelic assistance. You need God supernatural to begin to work in your life. So... Peter says, where did this angel come from? And the angel leads him to a home in the New Testament. And it says that in that home, let's go there, Acts chapter 12. Are you enjoying this morning? Someone say, no darkness in my life. Say, windows of life and light. It says in Acts chapter 11, and when Peter was come to himself, he says, Now I know of a surety that God has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and there were many gathered people eating and having a good time. Is that what it says? Hello, somebody. Hello, hello. Did you guys sleep? There was, there was many people there, and they were playing pin the tail on the donkey. There was people there, and they were, they were watching movies. There was people there, and they were praying. There is a difference between, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, saying a prayer and praying. When you say a prayer, you are bringing a need before God. When you pray, you are keeping the need before God. I'm going to say that again. When you pray a prayer, you bring the need before God. When you pray, you keep the need before God until God moves and does something about it. So are you somebody that prays prayers? Or are you somebody that prays? Because when you have expectation and obedience and faith and prayer in your life, God's ready to throw that switch of light. And then finally, there's one more thing, and the Bible says uh, that, uh, go with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Caleb, you can come. See, I'm, I'm not bad. I can finish on time, right? We can do this. We can do this. We can do all things through Christ. <laughs> wow, I'm going to get done on time. First, this is, a, this is a historic day for me. It is possible. There is a God in heaven. It says in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25, you have maybe one of the darkest hours in the history of the Apostle Paul's life. It is midnight once again for God's people. And do you know that it always seems like the people of God are the ones that have midnights in their life? You turn on last night the fight. 
And I saw the recap of it, and I saw all the celebrities that were sitting around watching two guys boxing. And the question I had is, number one, how much did those tickets cost? And number two is, why does it... Just lower the sound a little bit. Thanks, Brett. And I think to myself, why is it that it always seems that the wicked are the ones that have all the prosperity and are without trouble? Now, why does it seem like sometimes it's always the people of God that are the ones that are fighting and the ones that are pushing and the ones that are believing and the ones that are going through and the ones that got to do all the faith and the expectation? Well, a lot of times you have the wicked and he's just cashing in on their wickedness. It doesn't seem fair sometimes. Why are we the ones that seem like we're in midnight? And here's why. Because you have... Satan, demon powers, different persecutions that come from standing up for Jesus. There's understand that as we go forth as believers in these next times, it's not going to get any easier. But God has always promised His people that in your darkest of hours, when you feel the weakest, the strength of God is going to shine forth strong in your life. So guess what? I welcome the midnights. I welcome the difficult times. I welcome the hardship. Do you know why? Because I know that I serve a God who always comes forth in the midnight hour. You may be in your life this morning, you say, well, Brother Palmer, you know, I, things are going well. You keep on having faith. You keep on believing. You keep on expecting. You keep on praising. In that midnight hour, God is going to come and he's going to show that he is not moved by darkness because in him, darkness cannot exist. And so you have Paul and Silas and here they are in prison. But Paul was a man that was moved by revelation. He couldn't be held back by circumstances. And here he is at the last hour. He's being heavily guarded. He had cuffs on him and the Roman centurions had axes and he knew that first it would be the cuffs and then after the cuffs it was going to be the axe that was going to be laid to his head. But the Bible says that at midnight they begin to sing praises and give glory to God because his revelation was from the Psalms that I serve a God that at midnight he can see through that dark hour and he is more than able to provide and the Bible says that at midnight Paul and Silas lifted up their hands and they began to sing praises unto God God responds to people that know how to praise him when things look dark so I made a decision in my life. If you're going through gloom and you're going through difficulty, you're going through trials, God says, expect because I'm a big God that delivered Israel. Obey because I look upon people that don't deserve to be favored and favor you when you decide to be obedient. He looks and he says, don't be of doubt. Don't be unbelief. I'm the one that's in the boat. I'm the one that's in the boat with you, Jesus, in your boat this morning. If it is, it's not going to sink, and you can have faith and believe that God's going to do it for you. And then when you do this, you always pray, God, I pray, God, I pray. You have a rebellious child, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. And God says, this person won't leave me alone. They keep bringing this before I'm going to send my help. And then last but not least, while you're doing all this, you set your home in a position of worship. Because I'll tell you this, sermons don't change people. It's responding to what's been preached. It's acting on the Word of God. You say, well, I've been going to church for a long time and been hearing and preaching. It's done nothing because God wants you to set your house in order. Are you here this morning? 
He wants you to expect. He wants you to believe. He wants you to have faith. Obey. And guess what will happen? Your darkness is going to turn to day. Things may be looking down and you say, how long, how long do I have to believe? It was like when I was crossing the ocean when I just was on my flight. I don't like night flights. I can't stand them. I just, I like the way back because you chase the day. On the way there, you're in the night. And it's lonely. You're by yourself. All I had was my bag of trail mix to keep me company. And I didn't know what to do on the plane. I thought, I have eight hours of darkness. So I went and I took a, a Z-Quil because that helps you get a night's sleep. And I just remember just... And I woke up and looked outside and it was day. And we were over England. And that's how it is when you continue to serve God. You don't know when the night's going to come and when the night's going to leave and when the day's going to come. But you keep expecting. You obey God. You continue to have faith. You don't relent in your prayer. And you always stay praying. One day you're not even going to realize it and you're going to say, Oh my God, the night's over. There's the light of day. And you're going to discover that your night is past. But you've got to do what I told you to do. That's the catch. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's lift our hands to God. Let's close our eyes. I want you just to go ahead and now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.